After weeks dismissing, even ridiculing the threat of the coronavirus, going so far as to call it a hoax perpetrated by Democrats trying to unseat him and damage him politically, Donald Trump abruptly reverses course and now says that he knew all along that the coronavirus was going to be a global pandemic. We at Forward Nation Radio have done our research and we've uncovered some other areas in which we have all apparently been underestimating Donald Trump and his great wisdom. It turns out there were a lot of things that Donald Trump actually knew all along. Starting, for instance, with the thing that helped him vault to political prominence. I knew all along that Obama was born in Hawaii. And I knew all along that Hawaii is in the United States, unlike Puerto Rico. A lot of people don't know that, but I knew that. Regarding his sexual escapades, I knew all along that having sex with porn stars while your wife is giving birth is a bad thing and that paying them money to keep them quiet is not the right thing to do. Also, lusting after your daughter, not the right thing to do. Yes, even when it comes to issues that involved his impeachment. I knew all along that phone call with the Ukrainian president, what's his name, whose name I I knew all along, was impeachable. Not so great, after all. With regard to some of the things he said about, about people in this country and without, Nazis are bad. Even some of the good ones are bad. You know, uh, even my dad didn't know this, but but I know this. Nazis are bad. I knew it all along. When it comes to hollowing out the government and making the United States unprepared to fight a global pandemic, I knew all along that firing the global pandemic response team was not a good idea. I knew that populating our government with nothing but political hacks who swear their allegiance to me and don't have any competence in what they're doing, I knew all along that that was bad. All along, I knew that. I knew it was bad. In fact, Donald Trump, who's not given much credit for self-insight, turns out we've been underestimating him there as well. I have known all along what a pathetic excuse for a president I am. I don't know why you people voted for me. Oh, also, I've known all along that I lost to Hillary Clinton by three million votes. It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Bowie Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Thank you for joining us as we embark on our fourth year of Forward Nation Radio. 
That's right, Forward Nation Radio just recently celebrated its three-year anniversary from when we started the show. We didn't really celebrate it on air. We skipped it because we were caught up in the whole coronavirus thing. But we are now in our fourth year, and we would really like to thank our loyal listeners, those who've been with us, in fact, from when we had viewers from the very beginning, and to, to welcome and thank all of you who have joined us more recently. Thanks for your support. We hope to continue Well, at least through the end of the Trump administration, which we hope is at least and only another few months. Anyway, uh, another programming note before we move on. Uh, In recognition of the coronavirus, we will not be recording in front of a live audience today. Uh, I'm being told that we don't ever record in front of a live audience. Oh, yeah, we don't ever record in front of a live audience. And that kind of sucks. Um... I just want to point out that I've been watching as I watch Colbert and Samantha Bee and the other shows that I watch that are no longer, or at least for now, not recording with a live audience because of the virus. I can tell you, it seems kind of weird. And uh, so for those of you who sometimes think that this show sounds kind of weird, I'm pretty sure that it's because we don't have a live audience. Pretty sure that's what it is. So we'll be working on that as we proceed through our fourth year. Anyway, thanks again for joining us on to today's show, which will, of course, uh, have the coronavirus figuring prominently, but it won't be completely dedicated to the coronavirus. There are some other things going on that we can discuss a little bit, some other news. In fact, you know, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader and total piece of shit, um, has been in the news with regard to trying to sabotage efforts to address this this crisis economically and otherwise. What's been lesser reported is that McDonald, McConnell's been in the news a little bit otherwise this week. I will have more on his obstructionism and his basic criminality uh, later on as I get into discussions of the coronavirus. But for now, I want to talk about the other thing that's not been as publicized that Mitch McConnell has been working on as Senate Majority Leader. And um, it turns out that it's been reported now that over the last few weeks that the Senate Majority Leader has been out asking uh, sitting Republican judges to retire. He's been trying to get Republican judges to retire. Now, why the hell would he want Republican judges to retire? Well, what, of course, I'm sure you've already filled in the blanks here. But what's also being reported is that President Trump, just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, is running out of vacancies in our federal courts to fill. Remember, they created all these vacancies when they owned the Senate, when Obama was the president, so that when Donald Trump came in, having not been duly elected, that they could fill all these vacancies with Republican apparatchiks. Well, they've continued to do that so, uh, shall we say, successfully, that they have run out of vacancies to fill. Donald Trump has been filling our federal courts with lifetime appointees with very young people, very young apparatchiks. You don't have to be old and wise to be a party hack. And that's what Donald Trump looks for in his judges or the people who tell him who to appoint look for in in judges anyway. So it turns out that McConnell is a little worried that some of the Republican judges are getting a little long in the tooth, so to speak, a little aged, and they may not last decades longer and who knows we may have democratic presidents and senates in the future so 
Mitch would like them all to retire while this sham of a president, this man who should have been impeached and thrown out of office, this man who lost his election, should be able to fill their seats with young people who will be corrupting our judiciary and our society for decades to come. No exaggeration. Decades to come. Yes, this gives me an opportunity again to point out how our federal court system interpreting laws and the constitutions in ways that affect our lives every moment of every day we are living those lives, that these courts have been overwhelmingly filled by a succession of people who were not duly elected to the presidency. They are being filled by a political party that has lost six out of the last seven presidential elections. Anyway, we're going to see a little bit why this matters. Later this month, the United States Supreme Court is scheduled to hear three cases testing whether Donald Trump, as president of the United States, is above the law. And I think it is important to point out Donald Trump, not just whether the president is above the law, but whether Donald Trump as president is above the law, because there's no question that if the president was Barack Obama, the Republican appointees in the Supreme Court, we all know how they would vote, and they would vote the president is not above the law. But it is different. They will be voting on, these political hacks will be voting on, whether he can suppress any criminal investigations into himself. Criminal investigations being done by Congress, criminal investigations being done by state prosecutors. Can he, in addition to stopping criminal investigations, stop congressional and New York prosecutors from getting his tax and financial records for civil reasons, to promote civil laws, and maybe to investigate criminal laws? These earth-shattering questions, as throughout this country, prosecutors and people who believe in good government are trying to get Donald Trump's financial records so we could find out just how corrupt he is and how much he is destroying this country. We're going to find out if the United States Supreme Court just completely stops all of those efforts. We have the Nixon and Clinton precedents where the United States Supreme Court has rejected arguments that weren't nearly as awful and as far-ranging as what the Trump lawyers are now offering. But the United States Supreme Court might very well reject those precedents. John Roberts, despite promising to reject, to, to re, uh, respect precedents, since he's been the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, has gone on a massive campaign to overturn any precedents Republicans don't like. But of course... This whole thing, can he overturn these precedents in this case? So obvious? And the answer, of course, is yes. Since this is inherently a political United States Supreme Court and not a legal United States Supreme Court, regardless of what they want you to believe, there is absolutely no reason to believe that they will not just give the President of the United States blanket immunity. They can just change it a few years from now when there's a Democrat as President. One reason they need to do this, in fact, is because of a recent, apparently absolutely absurd, according to legal commentators, opinion by a Trump appointee to the D.C. Circuit Court. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, widely seen as the court just one notch below the United States Supreme Court in its influence and power in the United States of America. An absurd opinion with no legal backing, according to commentators, 
that got us to this position in the first place as to whether the president could be seen to be completely above the law in any investigation of that law. This is part of the continued hijacking of our country, hijacking of our country, remember, by people who keep losing elections and hijacking of our country by people who have demonstrated their tremendous competence, integrity, decency with respect to the coronavirus. Okay, so let's talk about the coronavirus because you're probably dying to hear something about it. Uh, It's starting to get a little real here. Uh, As we uh, tape here, the Congress is about to enact a $2 trillion economic stimulus, the largest ever. That is, once uh, Republican concerns about helping actual human beings are addressed, presumably by more payoffs to the wealthy. Because after all, the economy seems to be the only victim of the coronavirus that the President of the United States cares about at all. As of the time I'm recording this, we're about 500,000, half a million worldwide infected, over 20,000 dead. In the United States, the numbers are 60,000 infected, the numbers being a lot, the actual number being a lot larger than that, of course, since we're still not testing with almost a thousand dead, and by the time you listen to this, these numbers will seem quaint. The human toll is starting to get real, I think, for most of us, because I think most of us are starting to know people or know people who know people who are being affected. And it's not just really numbers anymore for many of us. We're actually getting a little bit of a sense of some of the lives lost, the human suffering, the families devastated by this crisis. I was Thinking going in, I was going to make a joke about being cooped up with my family in a house for all this time, and suddenly the joke doesn't seem funny anymore. So I'm not telling it, I'm just telling you I'm not going to tell it, I guess. So we're learning from the pathological liar-in-chief that he knew all along that this was going to be a pandemic, when obviously he did not. Ha ha, that's funny. Too bad he never acted on it. That would have been kind of nice if they'd actually done something about it as we continue to face a shortage in basic metal, medical equipment that we need to battle this thing. The one thing that we knew all along, echoing the president's words, is that Donald Trump is an incompetent criminal narcissist who has no business being anywhere near the presidency of the United States, nor do the people he's put into power have any business being in charge of the agencies they're in charge of. Unfortunately, that's what we're stuck with at this point. But of course, the toll isn't just on the economy. It's not just on the people who are suffering, in many cases dying. It's actually broadening out from there. It turns out that one of the other things Donald Trump may have known all along was the extent to which he is a racist. And that, of course, is coming to the fore in this, at this time as well. Because Donald Trump has gone to his old reliable in order to score cheap political points with the fucking morons who support him. And he's pulling out all the racist tropes, the usual. Making the dog whistles, calling this the Chinese virus to make sure that it is clear who to blame for this. I suppose in some respects we should say kudos to the president for finally showing some self-restraint for not actually calling it the chinky virus or something. Just calling it the Chinese virus, engaging in dog whistles instead of blatant racism is actually a step up for the president of the United States. And of course, we have the usual suspects weighing in on this. As Media Matters reported in a headline, which is pretty much 
telling it all. After weeks of downplaying COVID-19, Fox News shifts to racist and nationalist fear-mongering. Following the president's lead, or perhaps leading the president, Fox News has decided to switch its tactics mid-course. Not again to improve anything in this country, but to continue to win. I don't know, as racism abounds and people in this country are being attacked verbally and physically because they are Asian. Not even just Chinese people, of course, because most of the people who are Trump supporters who would attack Chinese for coming from China, where, where Trump is saying the virus came from, can't tell the difference between one Asian person from the from the other, of course. In fact, probably doesn't even understand there is a difference between one Asian person and the next. People are actually getting attacked in America while we are facing this virus. I don't know. What could go wrong in America from our leaders basically copying the Hitler playbook? Yes, when you have problems and when you want to get people to look elsewhere, find people to, pl- to, to blame it on. Find victims. Find people that you can use as scapegoats for all of your incompetence. One thing is certain, the Republicans can always fall back on the old reliable to get themselves elected. Racism. Of course, we haven't really talked about the economic impact yet. You've read all about this, and I'm not really going to talk a lot specifically about what's been going on with the crisis. The unemployment claims are the highest this country has ever faced. The number of people claiming unemployment insurance, the the job loss has been greater than we have ever seen. So, as I pointed out at the top of this segment, the Senate is about to pass the largest ever economic stimulus package in America. If only the administration had shown this concern a little bit earlier, a little bit of foresight. And if only this administration could show the same level of concern for the health crisis. His incompetence and all his administration just gets worse and worse and worse. How obviously overmatched this jackass is to handle a crisis like this. Testing has only recently picked up in America. We are still pathetically lagging behind. I'm assuming you've seen all the numbers. I'm not going to repeat it. Lagging behind South Korea and much of the rest of the world and getting people tested. Lagging behind much of the rest of the world in having medical equipment to treat people. As of a few days ago, I will give this, the United States had tested about 82,000 people, though we're finally ramping that up. South Korea, 274,000, having seen first instances of virus around the same time that we did. I talked about his incompetence last week regarding, among other things, the speech that he had so famously made from the Oval Office, so infamously made, the, the embarrassment of a speech where he got everything wrong. I still feel, looking back at it, that I wasn't strong enough about the impact of this and the message that it sends to the American public. The President of the United States isn't capable of leading at a time we need a leader. Not only is he not capable of leading, he is capable, along with his media organization, of pushing people in absolutely the wrong direction. What did I just hear? Alex Jones is now peddling a cure-all. On his, on his site. Sure, why not make money off of this? I wonder how many people Alex Jones will be killing in the next few months and how popular that will make him in the Republican Party. But looking back at Trump, how does this man not even know his own policy? He continues to demonstrate he doesn't even know what the administration is doing. At a time of national crisis and people dying in 
scary numbers. People confined to their homes. People scared shitless. The president of the United States does not even know what is going on in his own administration. How does he not know, among other things, what insurers have agreed to as far as treating people who have problems? Telling people to do the wrong thing if they get sick. Harper's Magazine kind of summed this up pithily this week. President Trump addressed the American people from the Oval Office and announced that all travel from Europe to the United States would be suspended, as well as all trade and cargo and that health insurers had pledged to waive the cost of coronavirus treatment, after which the White House clarified that the travel ban applied only to non-U.S. citizens, that trade would be unaffected by the new policy, and that some health insurers had agreed to waive the cost of testing rather than treatment. Just a, a minor error in your own fucking policy. The president then gave a press conference, Harper's continues, in the Rose Garden, in which he declared a national emergency and claimed that Google was developing a website that would serve as a comprehensive guide to drive-through testing clinics, after which Google clarified, well, to make a long story short, it was not. Trump got the whole story wrong. At which point, at some point during the week, he was asked about his role I don't take responsibility at all. This is a president who has on his desk the placard that says the buck stops anywhere else. Besides, what the fuck is a buck? Anyway, one of the reasons that this crisis, let's not forget this. One of the reasons that this crisis is spiraling as quickly and as badly as it is, is that not only the quality of our leadership, but I had pointed this out before, but the quality of Americans, the quality of our voters, the quality of who we are, we are really demonstrating ourselves to be not only idiots, but so self-absorbed and so willing to create our own reality that we are willing to infect others. You've heard all about and seen probably the pictures of all these college kids on spring break squeezed together on beaches in Florida and their cavalier discussions of what will happen if they get the virus, but whatever, their partying will not be interrupted. Let's talk about, again, Fox News and the impact of media that feeds this shit, that allows this to happen, that lies to people, and allows people to just advance their own unbelievable selfishness. Let's talk about our basic nature, about who we are as a society. I was asked in class the other day why it may be worse in America than in some other countries, like in Asia. And I said, well, one, we have incompetent leadership. That's obvious. But another thing is something that we spend most of our our lives priding ourselves on, our individualism, which may help us economically in some respects when it comes to creating new shit that will destroy people's minds for money, but is not very good in times of crisis. The fact that we are all so individualistic, we have so little community spirit and so little regard for our community that where other people would be putting on masks because they felt sick, Americans feel, what the fuck, it's not my problem, it's somebody else's problem. And let's admit that we, as a country, have this problem that we really need to start thinking about for the future. A certain amount of individual individualism is nice, but a certain amount of collective responsibility is pretty good too. Let's talk about our college 
our politicians who not only are willing to cater to this unbelievably unbelievable selfishness, but like their media outlets willing to willing to profit from it as well. I'm talking about the entirety of the Republican Party at this point, the president on down, the entirety of the Republican Party that has no problem to keep the American public stupid and irresponsible as long as it means votes for them. In this case, I may also be talking Democrats, hearkening back briefly to, again, Mayor Pete saying in a couple of the Democratic debates, I trust the American people to decide. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Gee, I wonder if we should trust the American people to decide how they help to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Oh, wait, if we do that, too many of us are going to be dead because it's not going to work. It's made worse by not having a leader at all. A president who can't call for sacrifice because he can't even understand the meaning of the word sacrifice. This is a president whose ideas about the whole concept of sacrifice are shaped by his bone spurs. Not exactly a guy who could talk Americans into doing the right thing for the benefit of other people. So Trump and the Republican Party are here to make it continually worse and worse and worse. They have completely screwed up the health crisis and people are dying as a result. They have even screwed up the economic response. And the the virus and its implications are going to be longer, deeper than they had to be even economically because of that. Even as Congress and the president negotiates an economic bailout package, what we see is the Republican Party thinking only about how it can benefit, thinking only about itself and what it can get out of this. In case you refuse to believe the worst, let's be clear on what's happening right now, what the negotiations are all about. The Republicans are trying to figure out how much they could stick in the bill that they could put into their pockets or the pockets of their big donors to make sure that they could buy an election. Maybe some of the $2 trillion that they seem to be agreeing to at this point will manage to find its way into into normal people's hands. Hopefully a lot of it will, but you can rest assured that a lot of it is going into the pockets of Republicans. You know, the original plan, of course, had about half a trillion dollars in money for Trump to do whatever the hell he wants with it. The idea that we would trust Donald Trump with half a trillion dollars of our money, this is something that Republicans thought was a good idea. What would Donald Trump be doing with that money? What will he be doing with whatever money they manage to carve out of this thing for themselves? He will be giving it to himself and he will be giving it to other Republicans and he will be giving it to big donors in return for promises. Not only that they will vote for him, but they will run TV commercials to benefit him. They will help him steal the next election with your money. Let's just be clear about what's going on here. People are going to get sicker and have more health problems, more work problems, because of their economic distress. And Donald Trump is not, and the Republican Party are not concerned primarily with helping them. They're concerned about how they could use them to benefit themselves. Rahm Emanuel, uh, Obama's former chief of staff, was, was credited with saying that he should never let a crisis go to waste. He's not the first one to have said that. The idea being, from the Obama administration, when you've got a crisis, you have an opportunity to maybe push through things that you know are good for this country that you wouldn't get through otherwise because you have to deal with Republicans. With Republicans, that has a little bit of a different meaning. It means when there's a crisis, I could steal as much as I could stick into my pockets. And 
That includes the next election. It's really concerning when even the New York Times just come out, comes out and basically says the bailouts are going to be shoveled to the rich through bonuses, dividends, buybacks. They're just going to be used to grease Republican skids and line the pockets of already rich people. Find this hard to believe that in the midst of a crisis they could be this awful? Where have you been? I'm assuming that our regular listeners are not at all surprised that this so-called political party could, could once again demonstrate itself to be nothing but a criminal organization with a ton of power that we've either given it or it's been able to wrest from us. But those who are just casual listeners may not really understand the extent to which this current Republican Party is a criminal organization that knows no restraints to its ability to feed itself at the public trough. You know, in one sense, though, I got to say this, it's kind of good that Donald Trump is the president for this. It kind of will help our ability to respond to this crisis. You know, both parties at this point do want this country to get through this crisis. Democrats want this country to get through this crisis because they want to help the country and they want to help people in it. Republicans want to get through this crisis because they want to help themselves. They want to make sure they get elected. They want to make sure that Trump can run for office and they could run for re-election saying, look at what we did. We got us out of the crisis. We're great. Vote for us. Now, what's the difference between these two things? Well, if compare this to what happened when Barack Obama was the president. We faced a pretty serious crisis then, too, with the collapse of our economy based on the financial system collapse. And what did Republicans do when Obama tried to save the country? Republicans got in the way every time they could. Republicans understood that their electoral success was the complete antithesis to the success of the people of this country. And they proved which one they gave a shit about. And it, hint, it was not the people of this country. It was only themselves. And so if we had a Democrat as president right now, you could damn well bet that Republicans in Congress would be doing everything they could to stop that president from addressing this crisis because the Republicans would still, as they are now, only have their eye on the 2020 election. It's not just Republican profiteering. It is a reminder for all of us to look at what's happening through our country at profiteering that is going on in what is essentially wartime. This isn't anything new, but people are using this to take advantage. Here's another cute little clip from Harper's a teenager in Leeds England was suspended from school for selling squirts of hand sanitizer for a total profit of nine pounds very hard to discipline this behavior said the boy's mother when his dad phones him from work to call him a fucking legend it's nice to know that pieces of shit don't just reside in America that we've got them all around the world when you've got a crisis like this you will have good people who I'll talk to in a few moments who step up to save to, to try to do their best to save people but you will have the incredible profiteers represented primarily by the republican party who will be doing everything they can to profit off of other people's misery how could we stand by as a society and think that this is okay the onion had a great had a great pithy uh headline on this as it often does the headline was North Carolina Senator Richard Burr wondered Friday when profiting off mass suffering had suddenly become a crime in this country. He probably read that and said, good newspaper. What is that a crime? 
what will the real heroes get out of this while other people are profiting off this? What will home health aides, supermarket checkout people, research assistants, nurses, doctors even, people who work at Taco Bell on the drive in the drive-thru lane, what are they going to get out of this? Bonuses? Uh, my ex-wife, I was, I was texting with, my ex-wife works for legal aid. She's been going to the courts. She got a very nice text from her boss, uh, citing her and a few other people for really stepping up during this crisis. Is she going to get rich like the scumbag lawyers who work for Trump and Fox News? No, because that's not how our society works. Let's remember this. Let's remember who gets rewarded in our society, and let's let some good at some point come out of this crisis, because let it change our behavior. How about if we start with this? With this crisis? How about if we have an agreement that no one should benefit from this crisis? No one should enrich themselves as a result of this crisis. Amazon's doing real well. Walmart's doing real well. Jeff Bezos is getting a lot richer because of this crisis while his fellow Americans die. Whoever's running Walmart right now and the Walmart family that still exists are getting even richer right now while their fellow citizens die. Maybe we should let it be clear that that is absolutely unacceptable and inappropriate. And we will not allow profiteering. It's very easy in some cases. Let's look at Amazon's profits this year over last year. And let's tax the excess at 100%. Maybe 120% just to err on the safe side. I'm sure Jeff Bezos wouldn't mind kicking in some of his what must be, well, I don't know at this point, what's going on with the stock market, with his incredible amounts of money. Maybe he would kick in a little bit, kind of help others. If, you know, we put a gun against his head. I was reminded in class, I'm not even sure how this came up, about people who profit off of, off of crises. And I said, who was one of the people, can anyone name anyone who profited, for instance, off of 9-11? And the answer to that question, of course, is take a look at Donald Trump's lead lawyer. Guy who's making a lot of money is Donald Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, or as I like to call him, Rudy 9-11. Because Rudy 9-11, the best thing that ever happened to him was 9-11. And that's really a problem. Chris Christie, I notice, is still on the news being interviewed as a talking head on occasion. You know who else benefited tremendously from 9-11? Chris Christie, who would never have been a U.S. attorney on his way to a governorship, a job for which he was completely unqualified if it wasn't for 9-11. So let's start with nobody gets to profit off of this. And the people who would be profiting... Let's take all their money and give it to the true heroes out there who are helping the rest of us get through this crisis. Anyway, that's our show for today. Don't forget to wash your hands and keep your hands away from your face. Don't forget to stay at least six feet from your neighbors. You never know, they may have the coronavirus. Or they may just be Trump supporters. Anyway, see you next week. Been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 